it's so good to be with you all. Um, I don't think Cheryl realizes that there's a lot of people here who are maybe don't even know who she or I are. My name's John. <laughs> I've been with the Open Door for a long time. Cheryl hasn't. She's brand new. Um, this summer, this is an exciting, exciting day for the two of us to be able to be in a space indoor that's air conditioned together uh, with you all. And, uh, it's just so good. Um, let me pray before we read our scripture here. God, we thank you for providing for us. I think specifically as a church and a congregation right now, um, but also in our lives over the past year and a half. It's been hard, and yet you have provided for us. God, we thank you for this indoor space with air flowing that cools us on such a hot day. We thank you for all of our friends here. Thank you for new faces. Thank you for new beginnings. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would open it to our hearts, even today, that you would encourage us, lift us up, that you would admonish us, that you would teach us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the passages for, from today's lectionary is James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. So that's what I'm going to read. It's up on the screen. Look at that. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Say that again because it struck me this week. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror and they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and, pers and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious, and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts. Their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. So thanks be to God. Well, what was, what was is never going to be again. That can be a really sad thing to hear. It can also be a joyful and liberating thing to hear. What was will never be again is both a call to mourning and a call to celebration at the same time, right? We're like, it's like we're standing at this precipice of a new beginning in so many different ways in our lives and as a church and as a country, as a world, as a human species, we're standing at the precipice. The open door as a church and as a community of people is at this precipice of change. Not only all the obvious change we've entered into as a church, but we all face the same changes that our world faces today. Our world is changing, our climate is changing, our planet is changing, our lives are changing. I think James is called to practice the way of Jesus, to be doers of the word, is absolutely essential in times of upheaval and change. James makes it clear that all good gifts come from God who is unchanged by the turmoil of our world. Verse 17 of that scripture we just read, as we stand on the precipice of unknowing, God is ready to give us all that we need to take the next step in this scary but also hopeful and exciting journey. I think it's hard to believe at times, but God is preparing good gifts, verse 17, good gifts for us, for all who have faith for us as we enter into this new beginning. All good gifts come from God who freely desires to give these gifts. James goes on and says, we are to be doers of the word and not merely hearers of it. We've all heard that preached, right? I mean, probably from me. Last year, we did like a whole series on being, on practicing our faith, on being doers of the word. Just so happens the lectionary likes to give me things I already preached. But I think that's a good thing today. Because we've heard it. And now it's time to act on it. Much of our religious tradition in Christianity is built around a Sunday sermon, a guy like me standing up, and you all hearing words, hearing preaching. And that's good. I mean, as it should be, according to James, the word of God is what changes our hearts and brings salvation into our lives. Like God's word implants. That, I can't, like that word in the NRSV is just so interesting. 
the word of God implanted within us. Like, like we need a transplant of some sort or an implantation of God into us. And the word of God is, is what we need. Verse 21 says, welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. So what if the word of God that is implanted into our hearts is not a word of rules or a to-do list of some sort, not some list that earns God's favor and we need this like this list within us so we can remember how we're supposed to act to earn God's favor. But instead, what if the word that's implanted in us is a creative epic narrative that that's bringing about a divine story that's been going on for millennia and that is implanted in us and we're a part of this divine epic narrative and it's in us and and God is bringing it out through our lives what if that's the word of God implanted in us Cheryl just talked about um, our new symbol which so this is great but I had almost nothing to do with choosing that symbol but in 2004 a long long time ago me and the two pastors at uh Hot Metal Faith Community, they're no longer there. B.J. Woodworth, the, the former founding pastor here, we all went and got tattoos, and I just happened to get this old faded tattoo in 2004 of the Triquetra. And, um, and uh, I love this symbol, just exactly for what Cheryl said. It's a, an unbroken uh, line that symbolizes the Trinity um, for us. And it's, a, it's also a symbol that goes in, in the Celtic tradition way back, way before Christianity was even a thing. There were Celtic knots that, that had spiritual significance. And the early Celtic Christians told these epic kinds of stories to connect with God. And I think God's people are, are, have over, over the millennia been quite good at telling stories the Celtic Christians especially. God's work in their land is what they told about and in their lives. If you've read any of these stories, you know that they are creative, epic narratives. Fascinating, uh, fascinating narratives. Writers like George MacDonald, have you heard of him? George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, all are birthed out of the Celtic tradition of storytelling, of um, understanding our humanity through an epic narrative. A later Celtic pastor, Alexander John Scott, he espoused the faith that needed imagination and creativity. And he did this at a time when um, the Scots, he was a Scot, he was a Scot Scottish felt um, the Scots were really solidifying, not so much in a good way all the time, solidifying Calvinism, like breaking it down into the points of Calvinism. And it, it did not involve much creativity. 
really going from Calvin's teachings to Calvinism. Isms can be dangerous. Scott, uh, Alexander John Scott, was the mentor of George MacDonald, who was the mentor of Tolkien. He lived in a time when, when uh, Calvin's teachings uh, and, and some of his followers found his creativity threatening. I don't think Calvin would have, but some of his Scottish followers did, and they, uh, they expelled Pastor Scott from the Scottish Reformed Church. But Scott still had that Celtic thought in his mind. He still believed in the word of God in us, not as a stale, static word, but as a creative, flowing word, bringing poetry and story into our lives. What if we believe that God's word is doing this within us today, at this time when we stand at this precipice of not knowing what is next. What if God is unfolding through us and within us? God's epic narrative. James, the probable brother of Jesus, wrote that central to salvation in Christ is the doing of God's word. If our mindset is that sim is similar to the mindset of the Celts, our doing is not a law-abiding rule-follower type of doing. Our doing of the word is in correlation with that ongoing story that God has been writing for millennia within people and throughout creation. Being doers of God's word is not about checking off a to-do list of practices of our faith. Those practices serve this greater narrative, this greater story. Practices of faith, they've always been central to us, right? As the open door, as, um, as a congregation, we've centered ourselves around um, practicing our faith together, around listening, learning together, eating together, um, encouraging one another and encouraging those who are down and need it and giving of ourselves for the sake of the world. We sense that God was calling us to centralize those practices of our faith, the doing of the word, the following of Jesus in our everyday lives. Along with that, we've also centralized contemplative practices. So um, the whole idea that we need to do our way to earn God's favor or we need to be activists. Well, yes, maybe we need to be activists. But our contemplative practice centers us contemplatively, uh, centers us in prayer draws us near to God. It is a form of self-care. We believed in this passage, the idea that salvation comes to us, and therefore we put into practice 
that which God has given us, that gift that God has given us. Well, we've done that in so many different ways over the years, right? And sometimes we've struggled with it. Sometimes we've succeeded, sometimes we've failed to be practitioners of God's word. I believe all this practicing of our faith, though, and succeeding and failing and coming up short and seeing God at work and wondering where God is sometimes, all of that has prepared us for this time in the life of our church, in the life of our families, in the life of our world. This future that we are about to live into that's so unknown, so unstable, God has prepared us for. It takes faith to believe that, but I believe it. Our church and our lives, we're not going back to normal, right? Um, I've quoted before one of my favorite songwriters, poets, social activists, political activists, Bruce Coburn, um, in the past. Bruce Coburn has a song uh, called The Trouble with Normal. Um, in that song, he says, the trouble with normal is it always gets worse. When we're just trying to get back to normal, normal always gets worse. Right? The first verse of that song, it says, strikes across the frontier and strikes for higher wage. The planet lurches to the right as ideologies engage. Suddenly it's repression, more moratorium on rights. What did they think the politics of panic would invite? But the person in the street shrugs and says, security comes first. But the trouble with normal is it always gets worse. Today we have this opportunity to be done with what was normal and create a better world. So thinking bigger than what's going on right here with us as a church or in our families or in our schools, the world needs leaders, needs people of faith saying, what was normal is not what we want. There's something far better that God has in store for us. The coronavirus shutdowns and our cultural desire to get back to normal is, a, of course, a perfect example of what happens when we put getting back to normal as the priority. Enter the Delta variant, right? And we're still wearing masks and needing to social distance. And I know that all of you are almost all of you are vaccinated. And yet the desire of so many people to just get back to normal and be done with this has led us back to where we were months and months ago. Today, I think God has positioned us somehow, in some way, to be a faith community that leads away from what was normal and to a new and better future. What if we turn Bruce Coburn's words upside down a little bit. He's pretty negative in this song, right? It's a political song from the 1980s that still speaks quite well to us today. 
But what if we turn it upside down a little bit? What if the pursuit of a better tomorrow is possible? I mean, I think that's what he's singing about. What is not normal in the past that we can be striving for in the future? Verse 25 of James chapter 1 says, But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, meaning freedom, the law of liberty, and they persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. See, for James, they were looking at a similar precipice. Jesus, his brother, was gone. New teaching was bubbling up of what it was to be a Christian. And James was saying, we don't know what the future is going to look like, but our practice, our practices that Jesus led us into, that's what will guide us into the future. For much of the Christian church in America, the pursuit of normal has driven religion far too down a path of political power and religious fundamentalism. And that's happened all over the world in all different religions. Religion has been used to, in the pursuit of power and political power and getting back to what was, quote, normal. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees were those people who were pushing people to live this complex life of ritualized practice. Did Jesus say, follow exactly what the Pharisees are doing? That's what the word of God implanted in you is? No, Jesus taught a different way. Jesus taught a simple love for all people in God's creation. James teaches us that the complexity of the Pharisees aren't what God requires of us, right? That last verse of, of this passage. But rather a simple loving of our neighbor neighborhood, pursuit of a way of life unstained by the powers and principalities of this world. James is calling us to the simple but powerful ethics of Jesus. The pursuit of normal is the way of the empire, the way of power, the way of white supremacy, the way of nationalism and greed, and we see that building in so much religion around the world. The pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of simplicity for the sake of the planet, the pursuit of love and peace for the sake of the world. If we pursue the false gifts of the world, according to James, things will get worse. But God does have a better tomorrow plan for us if we pursue the simplicity of mercy and love. God has prepared us, the open door, for this moment. God has prepared you, whether you feel it or not, to continue into tomorrow. God's guiding us, loving us, right here with us, in the pain and the struggle that we all face and that we all see all around us and in our world. Praise God that we are not going back to normal. Normal wasn't okay for far too many people on this planet. Normal has become toxic. Normal was and still is what is destroying our earth, 
Normal is why racism, sexism, homophobia are still with us in abhorrent and disgusting ways in our country. Normal never stays the same. It always gets worse. But we have this opportunity to pursue something way more ancient than our normal. We have the chance to live into something far better than normal. So I ask you now, what are some things that you hope we can let go of? What are, what are the normals that you hope we never go back to? Maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe it's the amount of alcohol that you were consuming at some point. Maybe it's the amount of alcohol you consumed yesterday. Maybe it's who knows the anger that you struggle with? Maybe it's more cultural. The bigger things that are destroying our planet, destroying relationships with people who look or worship God in ways differently than we do. Let's just take a moment and silently allow those things to come to mind and ask God, to enlighten in you an imaginative and creative way forward. God is implanting in you God's word, just writing a new story. Not a story that brings us back to normal, but a story that brings us forward into God's kingdom. If you'd like, you can speak those things out loud. Jesus calls us not only to acts of service, Jesus calls us to self-healing, to self-love, Jesus calls us to rest, to Sabbath, retreat from the world on a regular basis. These are all anti-empire practices. Self-care, rest, and Sabbath, they go along side by side with our peacemaking, our justice, seeking, and our giving of ourselves for the sake of the world. The word of God is embedded in you. Not some to-do list embedded in you, but the epic, imaginative, journey-inspiring word of God imprinted on your heart. Then you can move into this future with confidence and with grace. James is called to practice the way of Jesus. It is essential in these times. Thanks. Be to God.